Well, good morning. How you guys doing? Good. Hey, it's good to see you guys. If you don't know me, my name is Brandon. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at Riverland. I'm just so excited to be with you all uh, today. So before we get into our topic, uh, which we're going to jump into in a moment, well, I'm going to give you a quick update from last weekend. Uh, last weekend was literally one of the greatest moments in Riverland's 19-year history. For over a month, we've been going through this journey, this series called Unfinished, as we've been talking about how God is not done with his work in us as individuals, and he's not done with his work in us as a church. And so he is calling us to continue our mission of making more and better followers of Jesus, to launch more churches, to start campuses, to love our community and across the world even more. And we've just it's been so uh, just blessed as we've been going on this journey together as a church, as a family uh, of Unfinished. And last weekend, it all led up to a commitment weekend where we as a church made our commitments to seeing this vision, this mission become more of a reality. And it was so amazing to see the individuals, the couples, you guys as families taking steps to trust God and make your commitments uh, in this unfinished journey over the next two years. And I cannot wait to hear those results on December 3rd and 4th. That's going to be our celebration unfinished weekend, so mark your calendars, make sure you're there. It's going to be a great weekend for all of us to come together. Uh, but last week in our commitment week was just great. So I want to invite you to check out this video to see and hear kind of what took place. And it was just an amazing weekend to see people move and trust God. And, and if you weren't able to make it last weekend, or maybe you need a little more time uh, to decide on making a commitment to Unfinished, you can still do that. And we would love for you uh, to be a part of that. There are commitment cards in the seat backs in front of you. I invite you to, to take those out and throughout the service, take time to fill those out and you can turn those in uh, during our offering uh, time later. Uh, and what this will do is it will help us get to our ultimate goal. And our ultimate goal has always been from the get-go that 100% of us take this step to be on this journey of Unfinished together as a church. That's what we want more than anything else. And so we would love for you to jump in on that because we don't want you to miss out what God wants to do through you and with you during this Unfinished uh, journey. So let me just take a moment and pray uh, and just uh, thank God for last week and as we continue in this journey of Unfinished. God, thanks so much for, for moving last week, to, for leading us to commit to, to surrender, to sacrifice, to follow you in this journey of helping more people know who you are and to follow you. God, I thank you for the trust that we as a church are, are, are trying to follow you in, for you building that in us. And I just pray that you continue to lead us as we uh, go down this path together uh, over the next couple of years of Unfinished. So Jesus, we love you, we thank you, and in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so for today, we're kicking off a brand new series called Inferno. And for the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at what God has to say about anger. And let's just be honest. Is there a better time to talk about anger than right before the holidays? Like, seriously, like... This Thursday is probably going to cause a lot of stress, maybe a little anger for a bunch of you in this room and throughout this season. But anger is something that all of us uh, deal with. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, anger isn't necessarily a bad thing. In fact, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to dig into and, and realize that anger isn't necessarily a bad thing. It becomes a problem. It becomes a bad thing when that anger gets out of control and becomes this inferno that causes damage to us and to the lives of those around us. Now, show of hands real quick. How many of you guys enjoy just a nice fire, like a nice warm fire? 
Yeah, most of you in the room. Me too. I, I enjoy it. When I was a teenager, uh, my family and I went on a vacation to the Outer Banks of North Carolina, and my best friend Dale got to go with us. Now, if you've heard me tell stories about Dale, if he and I are together, uh, these stories never end up well. And so you can kind of figure out where the story is going before I tell it. Uh, but we're, we're, we're in North Carolina. It's going to be a great weekend. One night, we're hanging out. My whole family's asleep. It's late at night because we're teenagers. We don't go to bed till like 2, 3, 4 in the morning. And we have the entire beach house to ourselves. Now, why our parents let me do that, I don't know, but you know, only good can happen at this point. Um, and so we're hanging out on a balcony off of one of our rooms, and we're just having a good time, and we realize there's this like three-wick citronella candle, uh, kind of just like this, sitting on the uh, table out in the balcony. And we thought, you know what, it's kind of chilly out here. Maybe we just light the candle, it kind of brings some warmth to the conversation, and it'll just be great. And so we light that candle, and those three wicks are lit, and the problem was, that wasn't enough fire to kind of keep us warm. It was getting cold that night. So instead of us being wise, smart, uh, responsible teenagers and go inside, we said, no, we got to make this better. So we decided we had to turn this candle into a fire. And so what we did is we grabbed our stash of Bazooka Joe bubblegum. How many of you guys ever had Bazooka Joe bubblegum? If you didn't, don't eat it. It's disgusting. But each piece came with a really funny comic and some paper. And so we thought, we'll just take the comics and the paper and we'll start feeding that candle. And we will build this fire out of this candle all of a sudden. And uh, perfect plan, right? Here's the kicker. It worked. It was awesome. So we're sitting there, we're throwing this, these pieces of paper in it, and the candle becomes literally a working fire. And it's keeping us warm. It's huge. People could see it from blocks away. It was great, having a wonderful time, and we were really proud about this fire. And so the night was kind of coming to an end, though. We solved all the world's problems. We're getting tired finally. And so we had to put out the fire and go to bed. And so we did what normal people would do in this situation. We grabbed a glass of water, and we dumped it on the candle. Did you guys know you're not supposed to put out a citronella candle with water? <laughs> Me neither. In fact, this isn't our video, but check out what happens when you dump water on a citronella oil type of a fire. Check this out. Whoops. So that's what happened to us. We had this fire going. We dumped the water, and it just, boosh, just explodes. And we are, like, falling backwards, like, what is going on? And the worst part for us is because the candle had been burning for hours, it kind of created this nest where the water just sat in it. And it just starts, like, sizzling and popping, and it's shooting flames of oil all over the, the, the balcony. And we were, like, running around trying to put out these little mini fires, and we're worried the big fire is going to continue to get out of control. And we're thinking the house is going to burn down. And I'm like, what are we going to do? And Dale's like, I don't know. And Dale runs into the house and left me by myself in the balcony. I'm thinking, he bailed on me. And I'm sitting in, on this balcony, hiding behind furniture, thinking, this is it. I either have to face the wrath of my mom or I go down with the flames. And I'll be completely honest with you, the flames were way more appealing in that situation. So I'm like, this is it. This is the end. Jesus, come take me, you know, now. And then, and Dale busts through the door with his box of baking soda. And he dumps the baking soda on the fire, puts out the fire. Thank God he paid attention to the chemistry class because I didn't. And the fire's out. And we're like, holy, what just happened? And we're looking around. And there are burn marks. There's damage to the table, the balcony, the furniture. So needless to say, we locked that door. And no one was allowed on the balcony the rest of the week. So they couldn't see what we did. Seriously, we didn't tell my mom until after vacation. Uh, and so uh, it, that's what, this nice fire turned into this inferno that caused a lot of damage. 
And I think that that fire is kind of the same way with our anger. Like just like a fire, although powerful, can cause a lot of good when it's under control. It brings heat, it brings protection, it brings the ability to cook things on, things like that. When it's out of control, it can cause a lot of damage. And our anger is the same way. When it's under control, it can bring a lot of good, actually. But when it's out of control, when it becomes this inferno, it can do a lot of hurt to us and those around us. And all of us get angry. And we get angry about different things, whatever that may be. Uh, but all of us deal with anger in one, some way, shape, or form. And so just for fun, we're going to do a little anger assessment with you guys today. And what we're going to do is I'm going to show you a picture. And if this picture, that, that reality causes you to get angry, instead of like raising your hand, I want you to give me like an angry yell. Okay? Because we can do this today. So we're going to practice together really quick. I'm going to count to three, and I want you to yell at me with your best anger voice possible. Okay? All right. One, two, three. <laughs> Good. Not bad. You guys were way better than last night at 9 o'clock. So you guys are the best. So, uh, no, so there you go. So I'm going to show you a picture, and if it gets angry, let me hear about it. Okay? So here's the first one. How about traffic? Yeah, traffic's awful. It's, it caused me to get angry. Ask my wife. Like, I lose my patience instantly in traffic. Okay. Next one. All right, so full confession. I can tell you this. This is how I treat my toothpaste. And it makes Danielle, my wife, so angry. Like it was a point of like tension in our marriage for so long. But we finally figured out, you know what we do now? We have separate tubes of toothpaste. Seriously, and it saved our marriage. Like, seriously, it saved us. But yeah, some people get mad about that. I love it. But it gets angry. How about this one? This one really makes me angry. Yeah, see, that's right. Yeah, like, when I'm making a fried egg or something, like, I make Danielle make my eggs, and I don't want to break it because I'll get angry. But, like, I feel like I wasted that chicken's life if I break the yolk like that. Like, it's so sad and angry. All right, grand finale. Here we go. How about this guy? Yeah, I love you, Packer fans. I'm going to miss you guys so much. You guys want this guy's head right now. It's good times, good times. But, hey, these are just fun things that we get angry about. Uh, you know, they, we can laugh at, but we, they do cause us to get angry. But there's other things that are more serious that really make us to get uh, really angry. It can cause some pain and damage other people. We see it in politics right now. Everybody's angry at everybody else, and one side's angry at the other and vice versa. It's just full of anger right now. We see anger across the world with wars and uh, just so much pain going on in Syria and things like that. We, we see it here in our country. According to the FBI, there is a violent crime in our nation every 24 seconds. There is an aggravated assault every 48 seconds. And there is a murder in our country every 23 minutes. Domestic violence is the number one cause of emergency room visits by women. And every year there are 1,500 people killed or injured in cases of road rage. There is a lot of anger all around us. We see it at work. We have the coworker that just always seems to be angry and set off by things, or maybe you're that coworker. We see it at home when we are angry with our spouse who we promise we spend the rest of our lives with together, and we can't stand being around them. We get angry with our kids. They don't get along, they don't listen, and we lash out in anger. And there are so many things that make us angry. But anger in and of itself isn't the issue. The issue becomes when that anger starts to burn out of control and becomes this inferno. And it causes pain and damage to other people and ourselves. And so what happens is we have to start dealing with our anger. So the question is, how do we deal with this anger to make sure it doesn't become that inferno that causes pain? Well, I think the first thing we have to do is we have to recognize where anger comes from. And the truth is this, anger comes from God. 
Now, this may seem weird on the surface because sometimes we associate anger with something that's bad. But anger is something that God has given us, and in and of itself, it's not a bad thing. It's an emotion that God has given us, he's wired us with, as a way to deal with situations in life. In fact, God himself possesses that characteristic of being able to get angry. In fact, the Bible says that God gets angry over 250 times throughout it. Now, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we believe that God is perfect and there's nothing, he can, there's nothing no wrong that he can do. He can't sin. So when he's angry, he's not doing anything wrong. It's part of his nature. It's part of an emotion that he has, and he's given us that emotion as well. So it's not necessarily something that's wrong, but it's really important to understand where that anger is coming from. It's an emotion that God has given us. But he has also given us very clear instructions when it comes to dealing with our anger. And that comes down to knowing the difference between healthy anger and unhealthy anger. And so healthy anger is something we see when, when there's sort of some sort of an injustice and someone is hurt and someone's in trouble and someone's in pain. That you know, injustice that builds up anger and that anger leads us to action to help that situation. That's something we actually see Jesus do a couple times in life. Like one of the times when he went into the temple in John 2, we read this story. It says, it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at the tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and cattle, scattered the money changers' coins all over the floor, and turned over their tables. Then going over the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. And so what was happening here is the temple was designed and created and built to be this thing where people could come and connect with God and worship God and offer sacrifices to God to, to be forgiven for maybe some of the trespasses they did. And so this is a place they were supposed to come to feel closer to God. But what happened was there were people who realized that that situation made a really good environment to make a quick buck. And so what they would do is they would sell animals to be sacrificed at a higher rate to people and make some money off them. And they would take advantage of them because the people needed animals to sacrifice. And they would do all these things that would just uh, you know, put down and take advantage of the poor because a lot of people coming to the temple were living in poverty. And so Jesus sees this taking place. He sees all these people looking at these people not with love like Jesus did, but with dollar signs in their eyes and they're taking advantage of them. And this just sets Jesus off. He gets some rope, and he, and he makes this rope, and he starts whipping around and starting to drive people out of the temple. He goes over to some of the tables and flips them upside down, and money is just scattered everywhere. And he goes over to some people and is like, get this stuff out of here. Stop taking my father's house and turning it into a business place instead of a worship place. And Jesus is angry in this situation. And so often we think of Jesus as this meek and mild and quiet person. And he was, I'm sure, in some context, but not in this one. You see, Jesus loved his people and he saw them being taken advantage of. And that led him to see this injustice. And he got angry and that led him to act on that. To love his people, to help his people. That's what healthy anger can do. It can lead to us having righteous action to bring help and freedom to others. And God shows us what some healthy anger is through the person of Jesus. Now, unhealthy anger is something completely different, though. Unhealthy anger, this is the anger that causes hurt and violence. This is the, the anger that causes pain. This is the anger that grows into an inferno, and we explode on other people. And this is what happened with, uh, in Genesis 4 with Cain and Abel. Now, Cain, they were brothers, and Cain was a farmer, and Abel was a shepherd, and here's what happened. 
It says, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. One day Cain suggested to his brother, let's go into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And so what happened here is essentially that it was time to bring an offering to God. And Abel brought his best to God. He brought the, the young firstborn lambs of his flock. And he said, God, these are my best and these are yours. And for whatever reason, maybe his heart wasn't right. Cain brought just kind of maybe some leftovers, just something that wasn't uh, the best. He just kind of gave God some offerings like, here it is, God, here's yours. And God saw the difference between their hearts in the situation. And he said, Abel, I accept yours, but Cain and I don't because your heart's not in the right place here. And Cain sees that, he hears that, he realizes that, and he gets angry. And what's amazing, though, is God, God doesn't say his anger was a problem at that point. He says, hey, why are you so angry? Be careful, because if you don't take care of this, it's going to control you, and it's going to lead you to do something that you may regret. So the anger in and of itself in that moment wasn't the problem. It was the problem is when, uh, you know, Cain was, you know, dwelling on it, and it became this inferno. It led him to get so mad that he killed his brother over it. And this is what happened. And this is the anger that we see in that story. And this is the anger we see today in our culture still. We see anger that leads to death. It leads to abuse, both physical and verbal. It leads to tearing others down. It leads to hurting others. And this is unhealthy anger, and this is what we have to watch out for. This is when our anger turns into something wrong. And here's the root. Anytime we get angry like that, you know the reason we get angry because of that? Because of this. We didn't get something that we wanted. That's the truth. If you think about any time you've, you've gotten angry, you get angry, it's because you didn't get something you wanted in that moment. You didn't get the job promotion, so you got angry. You didn't, uh, you, your spouse didn't meet an expectation that you had, and you get angry. Your kids don't listen, and they fight, and you lose your patience, and you get angry. Your parents split up, and anger follows. In all of these cases, unhealthy anger can come up. It's, it's what we can do. Now, I'm not saying these situations are, are easy things to deal with. They're very difficult things. They're very real situations. When you don't get the promotion, that's disappointing and frustrating because you worked really hard for it. When you've prepared dinner and you're ready for a family dinner and your spouse goes like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm going to be late tonight, that's disappointing and frustrating because you worked really hard to prepare that dinner and you really wish you would have known before that, that your spouse wasn't going to be home. When your kids don't listen and it tests your patience, that's a very real situation. When your parents split up, that's hurtful. But all these things could lead to unhealthy, inferno-type anger that causes pain for us and others. But because we didn't get something we wanted in that moment, it can lead to anger that's unhealthy. And that leads us to doing one of two things. We either dwell on that anger or we deny that anger. Paul writes in Ephesians to his letter to the church in Ephesus. He says this in 4.26. He says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. So Paul is this guy who used to hate and despise Christians, and then he became one himself. He became a follower of Jesus himself. And he made it his life's mission to tell anybody and everybody about Jesus and what he did for them to save them and to rescue them. And during this noble, honest, you know, just God-honoring mission to live his life that way, he went through some stuff. 
He was shipwrecked multiple times. He was beaten. He was flogged. He was put in jail. He was stoned. People tried to you know, stone him to death. He dealt with some stuff in life. And I think if anyone had the right to be angry, it would have been Paul. But Paul understood what the damage of unhealthy anger and what it could do. And he says, don't sin by letting anger control you. What he's saying is, don't dwell on it. Don't dwell on it. When we are angry about something or someone, it just starts to eat at us. And we dwell on it. And we constantly think about it. And our life's actions are then affected by it. And Paul is saying, don't dwell on your anger because it's going to take hold of you like it did for Cain. We essentially become this flamethrower when we do that. And we start just spewing out this anger because we just keep dwelling on it. And we just lash out on those around us. And what's crazy is every time we do that, most of the time the thing that we were angry about was very minor. But because we kept dwelling on it, that little fire became this inferno. And now we're just spewing that on everybody else. We lash out on our kids for not listening when they're just being kids. We have unhealthy arguments with our spouse. We lose our tempers with our coworkers. We become this inferno of anger because we keep dwelling on it. So Paul says, don't dwell on it because when we do that, it's going to take hold of us. But then he also says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. So he says, don't dwell on it, but also don't deny it. He's saying, don't stuff it down inside and act like nothing's happening. We try to pretend that everything's fine when we really know it's really not. We hold it in, deny our anger, and that will go, and we think it's going to go away, but it never really does. What it does is it just starts kind of rotting us from the inside out. Have you guys ever, um, you know, put something in your trash that you should have taken out right away that night, but you forgot, and you sleep, you go overnight, and you wake up the next morning, and your whole house just reeks like rotten chicken? Like, we've all done that. That's what happens when we deny our anger. Like, we, we stuff it down inside thinking it's fine, and all of a sudden it just starts rotting and festering. And all of a sudden we realize we are broken and messed up inside because we keep denying that there's something wrong. We resent our boss or our coworkers because we didn't get what we wanted. Now, we don't tell them that, but when they come around inside, we can't stand them, and we resent them. We hold bitterness towards our parents because they split up, and we don't want to be around them. We don't really want to talk to them. We're frustrated when we talk to them. We don't want our kids around them, and they may not even know that we're angry about the situation. We deny it, and we just stuff it down inside, but it still affects us and affects the way we live our lives. It's like when you talk to someone, you ask them how they're doing, and they say, I'm fine. And you know they're not. Like they just, it's, it's there. You see it's, 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 it's rotting inside of them. There's something broken and wrong. And they're denying an anger that's sitting inside of them. See, all this stems and in, in, in develops unhealthy anger in our lives when we dwell on it or we deny it. So what we have to do is we have to address it. And we have to make sure this anger doesn't become that inferno that causes damage to our lives and the lives of those around us. And there's a couple things that we can do. And the first is this. We have to identify the source of the fire. We have to recognize that we're angry, and then we have to ask ourselves, why am I angry right now? What did I want that I didn't get that's causing me to be angry in this situation? You know, this is something that I'm learning how to do every day, especially as I'm raising our kids with my wife. They can make me angry, and I have to recognize, why am I angry right now? We all have to do that. And when we start recognizing where the source of our fire is, then we can know how to attack that fire and deal with it. So when we identify the source of the fire, then we can douse the flame. Then we can really attack that, that, that flame. And so we have to douse the flame, and we do that in so many different ways. And it's not as simple as stop being angry. 
there's way more to it than that. We have to deal with it in a couple of different ways. It's kind of like when firefighters are dealing with a fire, when they're fighting a fire. They don't just, you know, you know spray water on the flames. That's not how they get the fire under control to, to just get rid of it. They go and they figure out where's the source of this fire coming from and so we can attack it there because that's what's going to help us get it under control and that's what's going to help us get rid of this fire. That's the same thing we have to do with our anger. We have to know where it's coming from and we have to attack it at the source. And so we do that a number of different ways. There isn't just one way to do it, but I always recommend the best place to start is to ask God for help in this because he's the one who can change our hearts and change our attitudes when it comes to our anger. We need to ask him for help. And when we recognize that we're angry, we have to say, God, you know, I'm angry that I didn't get that promotion at work. Can you help me to be content with everything you've already given me? Or God, I'm angry that my friend just got married and here I am still single. Can you help me deal with my loneliness? Or God, my kids have just tested me beyond my patience. Can you help change my heart to love them like you love me? To be patient like you're patient with me. We need God's help in our anger. Then from there, maybe what you need to do is talk to the person who's causing you to be angry. Now, you can't do this with everybody. You can't really talk to a toddler too often about how they're making you angry, but sometimes you can talk to someone. Maybe it's a coworker or a family member or a friend or a neighbor. Maybe you need to take the, a step of courage to have a conversation with them so you guys can figure this out together so maybe anger won't be so much a part of your relationship. Or maybe you need some accountability in your anger. If you're in a small group, maybe you need to open up to your small group and let them know that anger is an area of struggle for you. You know, small groups are designed to be a safe place where you can share your, in your struggle and they can uh, rally around you to support you and encourage you and love you as you're figuring out how to douse the flames of your anger. If you're not in a small group, we'd love to help you figure out how to get into one. We have plenty of options available. Stop at the resource center before you leave today. Or maybe you uh, need a different type of community to deal with your anger. Maybe you need something like Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery is a great ministry we have. It meets every Monday night here at the church. And what happens a lot with Celebrate Recovery is if we kind of think from the outside, it's just a place for someone struggling with maybe drug addictions or alcohol abuse. And it really, it's a place for that. But it's also a place for so much more than that. It's a place where for anyone with a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up, and anger definitely fits into those categories, to go and be a part of a community of people that care for you, that love you, and will help you on your journey as you're dousing your unhealthy anger in your life. There's actually a great opportunity for you to come and check out Celebrate Recovery uh, two Mondays from now on the 28th. Monday, November 28th, there is an open house for Celebrate Recovery where dinner is provided, and you can just see what this thing is all about. It's a great chance to check out Celebrate Recovery. I also heard the teacher that night is this really cool, good-looking dude. Um, uh, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm lying. Don't get angry. Um, but no, I'll be there. The teacher, I would love to see you come to Celebrate Recovery that night. Uh, it's a great chance to check out, to see what that ministry is all about and the great people who are part of that. You can stop at the lobby table uh, before you leave the sign up, or you can just show up that night. Or maybe you need to see a professional counselor. Maybe you need to talk to someone who is trained and educated on how to walk people through some of these issues. There is nothing wrong with that. In fact, I think it's a very honorable and, and mature thing to do in seeking out professional help. And if you need help connecting with someone, contact the church. We have a list of great uh, references for great counselors in our area. Or maybe you just need to spend some personal time reflecting and dealing with your anger. Maybe you need to have some time where you spend with God each day you know, dealing with and reading about in Scripture and, and really coming to terms with your own anger issues and seeing how God can help with that. 
If that's you, which I think is actually all of us in this room, we all could benefit from that, we're going to do something really cool. Uh, tomorrow on Facebook, on our Facebook page, so make sure you're on our Facebook page, like River Glen, so you get this update. Um, we're going to post a seven-day devotional dealing with anger. And I'm inviting all of us as a church over the next seven days, starting tomorrow for a week, to spend a, t- a certain time of day, find your time of day, and go through this devotion and see how God can help and guide us through our anger. I think it's going to help our holidays. I think it's going to help our families. I think it's going to help us in our relationship with God. Now there's a lot if we do that together. So that'll be on our Facebook page. Make sure uh, you do that. I would love for us to do that together as a church over the next week. So maybe that's what you have to do. But we have to douse the flames of our unhealthy anger or they're just going to keep coming back. So we identify the source. We douse the flames of anger. And then the last thing is this. We have to do this. We have to get angry about the right things. I mentioned how anger is something that God has given us. It's an emotion. It's a tool that he's given us to deal with, and it will lead us to action in life. So in all of this, I hope you're making sure you're not missing that. I'm not saying anger is a bad thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It becomes unhealthy when we get out of control, but anger can be used for a lot of good. There's a, there's a purpose for healthy anger in our lives. In fact, honestly, I think us as a church and as people and as a country and as a world, we could use some more healthy anger in our lives. But we need to get angry about the right things. And the way we know the difference between healthy anger and unhealthy anger is really on whose will we want to see done. We have to see, is it about God's will being done or is it about our will being done? You see, we get angry because something doesn't go right in our lives. We wanted something, it didn't happen, so we get angry. God's similar to that. God gets angry when things don't go the way he wants or expects either. He gets angry when people are lost and broken and hurting. He gets angry when there's injustice and racism and hatred. He gets angry about those things, and that anger led him to send Jesus. It leads him to intervene. It leads him to send people with grace and love and mercy to help in those situations. When we get angry, though, most of the time we get angry because it's about something that's selfish about us. We didn't get something that I, I didn't get something that I wanted, so I get angry about that. And so our anger comes down to: Are we mad about God's will not being done, or are we mad about our own will not being done? You see, when Jesus was flipping temple tables uh, and yelling at people and driving them out of the temple, he was angry because God's will was not being done. That temple was designed for people to worship and grow closer to God, and these people turned into something different. That caused Jesus to get angry. It was God's will not being done. When Cain was angry, he was mad because his own will wasn't done. His offering wasn't accepted. His brother looked better than him. He got mad. He got jealous, and he ended up killing his brother in his anger. There's a huge difference there. It's God's will versus our own will. And just to be clear, when we are angry about God's will, it never, under any circumstances, gives us permission to hate, judge, or hurt anybody based off of their uh, background, their beliefs, the color of their skin, or anything. There is no basis for that in God's will when it comes to healthy anger. Because God's will is always rooted in love and grace, and that's why he sent Jesus so we have to ask ourselves, are, you, are we more focused on God's will for our life, or are we more focused on our own will for our lives? Are we more angry that our neighbor or our family member or our coworker doesn't know who Jesus is, or are we more angry we didn't get our holiday bonus or our, our promotion that we worked so hard for? Are we more angry that there are families in Waukesha who don't know where their next meal is coming from? Are we going to get more angry on Friday morning because someone cut in front of us in line? Are we more focused on God's will or are we more focused on our own will? 
And if you're more focused on your own will, maybe that's what needs to change today. Your anger is hurting you, it's hurting others. And that reason is because you're more focused on your own will than you are focused on God's will. And so your anger is becoming this unhealthy anger. And so maybe it needs to change. And I think the best way to put out the inferno in our lives is to change who's in charge of it. And we change from ourselves being in charge to Jesus being in charge. Jesus came to free us from our brokenness such as anger. He came to give us freedom. He came to give us life. And we find freedom. We find that life when we follow him and put him in charge. If you're looking for that freedom, I invite you to start following Jesus. In a way, you publicly declare that is through baptism. And I want to invite you to follow Jesus in the baptism. Baptism is our public declaration saying that we are following Jesus. He is in charge and it's no longer my will be done, but God's will be done. And next weekend after each service, we're doing baptisms. And I would love for you to be a part of that. If you've been following Jesus for a long time, but you've never been baptized, what are you waiting for? Now's the time to do that. Or maybe you just made that decision to start following Jesus. Now's the time to get baptized and say, hey, no longer my will, God's will. No longer my unhealthy anger, but the healthy anger that God gives me to lead and make a difference in this world. In your program, there's a card, and I invite you to simply fill that out and check the boxes that are appropriate for you. And just turn that into the bags later on during our offering. We'll follow up with you, and we would love to see you getting baptized here next weekend at River Glen. This may be your next step. Anger is something that all of us deal with. It's not going to go away. It's the emotion that we have. But imagine the change that would happen in our lives, our families, our church, our community, and our world if we started extinguishing those unhealthy infernos that were controlling our lives. I think we would experience more freedom. There would be more peace. There would be more grace. There would be more love. You see, this world deals with enough anger and hurt and hate that kills and destroys. And that anger is rooted in doing our own will rather than God's will. But when we let Jesus be in charge and we follow him, our anger will be of a healthy anger and it will lead us to love and heal and build up. That's the world that Jesus came to show us. That's the life he showed us to live. And that's the type of church that we are continuing to strive to be each day as a church of River Glen. So in a moment, what's going to happen is the band's going to come out and they're going to play a song. And during this time, I want you to invite you to reflect you and reflect on this time and really ask, what makes you angry? And why are you getting angry? What's the source of that? And how do you need to douse those flames? And I want you to really, really challenge yourself and think about, are you more focused right now on your will for your life or God's will for your life? Ask yourself that question over this time. And after the song, the ushers are going to come and they're going to pass communion. And it's here each week that we remember the sacrifice, the, the rescue that God gave us through his son, Jesus it's here that we really remember what God's anger led him to do. You see, God was angry. He was hurt. He was frustrated that you were far from him, that you were broken, that you were in pain. And his anger led him because he loves you so much, led him to send his son Jesus to come to die for you, to save you, to rescue you, and to change you, to be more and more like his son. And it's here sweet that we remember that. That God's anger led him to do the greatest thing that any of us could ever experience, and that's receive his son, Jesus Christ. So if you're a follower of Jesus, we invite you to partake in this time of communion. If you're uncomfortable with it, that's completely okay. Just pass the plate on down the road when it gets passed by you. But in this time, let's remember what God's anger led him to do, and that was to come and rescue us because he loves us so much. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for this church.
God, I love this church. I'm going to miss this church. God, I pray that you help us to start identifying the sources of our anger. God, help us to see that we are getting angry about things that are unhealthy and they're becoming infernos because we either dwell in it or we deny it. Help us to recognize that. God, help us to change our hearts in that. And God, help us to be more focused on your will over my will as we move on and move forward to following you. God, I pray if there's anyone thinking about following you in the baptism, they make that decision here today. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for coming to rescue us. In your name we pray. Amen.